0: Hey, I'll be honest with you, I got lost in worship this morning, so uh, I forgot I was here preaching, and that it was uh, my turn. So, um, just praising the Lord for what he's done, uh, and even in my own sin. I hope, I hope that was meaningful for you too. We're talking about moving forward. It's a new series, we're beginning it today, it should last about five weeks or so. And the whole object here is to realize, are we kind of stuck somewhere in life Oftentimes, because life just comes in seasons and all kinds of uh, unexpected turns of events for most of us, and sometimes we just get busy or sometimes we just get sort of in a routine and we find ourselves not really uh, gaining momentum in life. We're not getting it done and we kind of feel stuck and what we really need is desperately clear direction, the next step, the next step. By the way, next step for students is to meet in the foyer. If you're a teenage student for, from our youth group, you're going to meet in the foyer and go down for your lesson. Just want to you can stay for the sermon if you want to, but you have to answer to John later. so all right. Thanks. Isn't it good to have him with us? The teenagers? All right. So we get stuck, and um, there are times where we just simply need to get moving again. And I want to do this. I want to do this, okay? in the next several weeks, I want to talk about a personal application for you and I, where we need to move forward. What are the next steps for us in our life, whether you're uh, 20 years old or whether you're older than that? What are the next steps right now? What does God have for you, the, the direction for you? And then as we do that and apply that to each one of our own lives, I want to also make some application to the church, Cross point. And as we're moving forward, what is the next step? So that we don't get stuck as a church and sort of stall out. But you know what the interesting thing is? Well, is this sermon really an application for individual people and families? Or is this sermon really an application for the church? And the answer to that is yes in both cases. Because as it turns out, the people are the church. Right? You are the church. I'm not the church. The stage isn't the church. This room or this Sunday service isn't the church. You are. You are the called out, set apart by God. And so when we talk about moving forward, that means moving forward under God's setting us apart to do something. And that happens in our lives. And then together, that happens as a church. So we're going to start this morning by talking about Cross Point Community Church's process that helps us move forward. And if you haven't heard this yet this is central to everything we do at Crosspoint Community Church. And we just have entitled it with three simple words, grace, grow, and go. That, those three words, that process that those three words represents, defines everything that we want to do together as a church. It encompasses all of it. And as a matter of fact, it's a way to sort of keep us directed with, without getting distracted or bogged down in all the other details and all the other things that come up for churches in America today, okay? We want to be really, really good, really, really effective, really, really obedient to God in this area. We want to reach people with the gospel. That's grace. We want for them to grow and mature in their relationship with Jesus Christ as a disciple. That's grow. And we want them to go out and to make disciples and to share what God is doing in their life in grace and growth with others. That's the go. And when you really boil down the commission of the church, what Jesus told the church to do, that's it. And we don't need to add anything to that. So we're going to start with grace, the very beginning step of our process and how it applies to each of us personally, individually. And to do that, I want to invite you to turn to Luke 15. Okay, the first half of the message today is going to be some biblical insight for us to see a little bit about what Jesus did. And the second half of the message, we're going to do a practical application. We're going to do an exercise together. It's an illustration. And I'm going to need lots of volunteers. Okay, so just be thinking, if you're able to walk to the stage and walk back to your seat, then you can volunteer. But it does take that sort of mobility, so if, if you're not able to, to do that, that's okay. But we're going to need like 30 to 40 volunteers in this room, okay? So just get ready, because your turn is coming. You get to be the church today and participate, okay? Grace, what, what is grace? Grace is that love and acceptance that comes from God that he gives to people, even though people don't really deserve it. That's what it is. And we receive God's grace, and we are called to give God's grace. And it has to do with people. Okay, church, let's, let's slow down. What's next in life for me? A- am I stuck? Am I stalled? Am I looking for the next step in life? Let me ask you the question. Are you looking for the next step in the lives of people? Does it have to do with more people or less people? And let's find out where that comes from. Who did Jesus spend time with? Okay? And we're going to turn to Luke 15 and see who he spent time with. First of all, we know it was people, right? Is that obvious? Can I say that? He spent time with people, right? He didn't come and spend time with the rocks, he didn't spend time with, you know, just himself. Jesus was always with people. Do you know why? If you're a guest this morning or a visitor, I want you to listen to this very carefully. You may not know this about the God of the universe. Here's the truth. People's lives matter to God. Did you know that? They they matter to God. People's lives matter and, and, and they're important to God. And so when he came in the flesh, Jesus, let's see who he spent time with. Chapter 15, verse 1. Then all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to him to hear him. And the Pharisees and the scribes complained, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. And so he spoke a parable to them, saying, Now time out. Let's put this in context. Let's really understand. We're not going to just pick a little excerpt out here. What's really going on? Well, Jesus in Luke 14 had just told his disciples, you want to be a disciple of mine? You want to find direction to what's next in your life? You want to follow me? Good. It's a good thing to do, but let me show you what it's going to involve. And he talks about the fact that they're going to have to deny themselves and take up their cross and follow him. And they begin to follow him. In the very next chapter right here, the very first thing that happens is Jesus is being criticized for spending time with the wrong people. Spending time with those that the religious leaders of the day thought he shouldn't be spending time with. You see what Jesus is doing? He's telling us, he's telling his disciples, his followers, this is who we're going to spend time with. And he takes them after that, here's what it takes to follow me, right into this encounter where the, 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 the Pharisees, the, the Sadducees and religious leaders came to him and said, hey, look, your, your leader, this Jesus who says he's God, he can't be God, he can't be of any real value. Why? Because look who he's spending time with. He's spending time with, it says, the tax collectors and the sinners. Now, we know that the, as evil as some of you might think the IRS is today, can I get any amens out of that one? You can say it. They can't see you. They can only hear you on the radio. So they don't know who said it. They'll probably come after me and not you. As much as we have maybe at times a distaste for the government officials that collect our money and that department, we don't really see them at the top of the list of sinners today. At least most of us don't. Right? But in that day... These were the folks in community who were despised. They were at the top of the list when it comes to people who are unkind, who are taking advantage, who are self-seeking, they're conniving, they steal, lie, cheat. These would be like the ones in in Harvey and Irma, the natural disasters going on right now. These would be the ones pilfering stealing from people because they were run out of their homes and taking advantage of that I mean if we saw that in tv today I mean I hope you're feeling compassionate towards those folks there's a lot of people in our nation in need this morning and they're going to lose a lot in life and I hope somebody's there to give them grace but but what if we saw on tv and, and they were running for their lives Three states over, and there were some people breaking into their house and stealing all their valuables. I mean, wouldn't you just go, come on, now that's a sinner. That's somebody who doesn't get it. That's what we're talking about. The, the people who were most prominent. They were corrupt. They were confused. They were despised. And then if that didn't cover the category enough, they said, you're also hanging out with sinners. Those who don't know what is right and wrong. Those who are doing constantly in their life what is wrong. Right? That's who Jesus is spending time with. And that's opposed, of course, to the religious leaders. Right? There's a contrast here. The religious people are those that, and in, at least in their own opinion, they have it all together, right? They've got, we've figured it out. We're good. And don't you just hear it? These guys that are accusing Jesus of spending time with the wrong people. Don't you just hear that they actually view themselves as better? Yeah? I mean, am I the only one that sees that? Look, come on. They get together and they say, this man receives sinners and he eats with them. I mean, he spends like personal time not just preaching a sermon to them. He's like in their lives, in their homes, in their mess, in the trenches down in the dirt with those people that, that we see as less than us. Therefore, they're not worthy of us spending time with. Religious people, Always try to maintain a religion that serves themselves. See, they would spend time with each other, themselves. But Jesus, standing in direct contrast to that, says, here's who I'm spending time with because their lives matter to me. Their hurts and their pains matter to me. Now watch this. Y'all with me so far? This is cool. Watch what God does here. Then he goes on and tells three parables in a row. Jesus uses parables to teach points. He's trying to make a lesson here. Who are you you supposed to be spending time with? Well, why why would God spend time with the sinners? Why would Jesus spend time with those who are less than, who, who are corrupt, confused, despised, hurting, lost, right? And he goes on to tell why. And he tells three parables. Let's read the first one here. Verse three, so he spoke this parable to them saying, read with me, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing, and when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say to you, likewise, there will be more joy in heaven over the one sinner who repents than over the 99 just persons who need no repentance. Now, you guys see, this is a parable, but Jesus is opening up the halls of heaven. You want to see what's really important to God? And then he goes on, he tells another parable about the lost coin, where this woman loses her coin, and, and she sweeps the floor, and, and almost, almost frantically, uh, without delay or interruption, just continually seeks until she finds that coin, and, and then it says, uh, when she finds it, it says, rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which was lost. Again, showing that it's important for God for us to find that which is lost. It's not found yet. So what do we do? We seek and search, and then he goes on, and he tells that parable of the lost son where the, the son takes his inheritance early and wanders off and squanders it. You know the story. And makes a mess of his life and he's miserable and he comes back to dad. And dad receives him with grace. And when he does, there's great joy and rejoicing and celebrating. Do you see what God is showing us here? God spends time with those who are the most needy. Jesus was spending time with those who were lost They didn't know the right direction. You see, we're talking about moving forward in life. Moving forward in life for us, for those who know Jesus and understand the way we've been given light, we have understanding. Moving forward for us involves helping those who don't know how to move forward also find the light of forgiveness and grace so they can move forward. That's what moving forward is. We don't move forward without lost people. We don't put our church programs together without people who are lost. We don't do activities without seeking, sweeping the floors of our community, searching high and low, out in the fields if necessary, from house to house, from coffee shop to grocery store to restaurant. Our workplaces... The organizations we belong to, where we interact with people, the the gym we go to, the barbecue, the neighborhood, without seeking and searching. And listen, when Jesus recognized the lost, he spent time with them. By the way, turn very quickly, if you will, over to Mark chapter 2. Why would Jesus spend so much time with those people. Well, he tells us in Mark 2, just a little, a little insight here. Mark 2 verse 16, when the scribes and Pharisees saw him eating with tax collectors and sinners. Does this sound familiar to you? When they saw him eating with the tax collectors and sinners, they said to his disciples, how is it that he eats and drinks with tax collectors and sinners? Why is he spending time with them? Jesus Answers the question himself. He heard it and he says to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick, I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. I want you to think about the people in your life who are damaged, who don't know what is right. That looks different for for different people, right? Sometimes it's the person who's homeless or maybe strung out on drugs, yes. Sometimes it's a a needy, poor, maybe a single mom trying to survive. Sometimes it's a professional young couple after the dollar trying to do everything they can to, to make happiness out of their career and their possessions, Sometimes it's a person who's depressed. Sometimes it's a person who is constantly angry and bitter. You see, what makes a person lost is that they are trapped in their sin. All of us are sinners, but what you and I have, hopefully, if you've found Jesus, as a follower of Jesus, what you have is forgiveness of sin. What you have is freedom from sin. You have the way of life to God the Father. You have the joyful life. You have the meaningful life that gives purpose and eternity before you. Lost people don't have that. They haven't been told. They they don't understand. They might even be rejecting it. They act like lost people because they don't know the way. You see, the first time we start treating lost people, those who don't know Jesus and follow them, those who are trapped in sin, the first time we start seeing them as people that need help instead of people that are less than us, that's when we start wanting to spend time with them. That's what Jesus saw. He said it was like somebody that was sick who needs a physician. And Jesus said, I'm the great physician. Why would I not spend time with them to help them? Why? Because people's lives matter to God. He cares. Write this down. We don't build a church just for us. We build a church that intentionally, watch this, seeks, receives, and connects with those who need Jesus the most. In your personal life, moving forward, finding direction in your life is going to have something to do with seeking Receiving and connecting with people in your lives who know, who excuse me, who need Jesus the most? Those who know Jesus the most should be spending time with those who need Jesus the most. And I want to ask you this morning, could it be that you're sort of stalled and stuck in life because you've really f- forgotten about those? Wh- who are you spending time with? Now, is it good to spend time with one another as a family? Yes, it is. And and as a church family? Yes, it is. But who are you spending time with that needs Jesus the most? The sinners. Those who are corrupt. Those who are angry and abuse people and use the system and seek for themselves personal gain. Where are you spending time with them? Let's do something, church. Let's begin to move forward in life. Let's, Jesus says, follow me. Disciples, you want to follow me? Come after me. This is what it's going to be. What we're going to do is, we're going to spend time with sinners. Because they're sick, they're hurting, and, and, and they need grace. And you've been given grace. So who do you spend time with? The second thing that I want to look at is, that's who Jesus spends time with. But when he does spend time with them, how does he treat them? And I think we could look all through the Gospels to find out. But I think one of the most insightful passages is in John chapter 8. and You might be familiar with the story. Maybe not. This is a story where uh, there's a woman who's caught in adultery. A great sin in the eyes of the Israel nation. Okay, It's one of those big ones. And when this woman is caught in adultery, she's uh, humiliated and embarrassed and brought before the people and condemned, and, and even they throw rocks at her. I mean, that's how much they hate this sin. And I got news for you. God hates that sin more than the people do. But I want you to see how he treats them as opposed to how the people treated her for that sin, Right? Chapter 8, verse 1, but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives, and now early in the morning, he came again into the temple, and the people came to him, and he sat down and taught them. Then the scribes and the Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery. You see the scribes and Pharisees again. There's going to be a contrast here. It shows us right now. And when they had set her in the midst, they said to him, teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. No question, she did it. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned, but what do you say? And this they said, testing him, that they might have something of which to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger, as though he did not hear. When they continued asking him, he raised himself up and said to them, He who is without sin among you, let him throw the first stone. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground, Then those who heard it, being convicted by their conscience, went out one by one, beginning with the oldest even to the last, and Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had raised himself up, he saw no one but the woman, and he said to her, woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? She said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. And then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Now, we could, we could talk about this for a long time, but it's just one main thing I want to show you this morning. Jesus' encounter with her, what he does with her, is he gives to her, first and foremost grace. Jesus never justified her sin, okay? It's not as if he said, not a big deal. You know, that sin's not that big. Don't really worry about it. He didn't say that. He said, I came to interact with your life, to, to talk with you, to defend you, to help you, to be involved with what's going on right now in your life. I came to do that in your life, not to condemn you. Jesus said, that's not why I came. And he had every right to condemn her, being holy, just, perfect, righteous God. He said, I came to forgive you. I came to forgive you. He can expect her to walk away from that encounter and not sin anymore, watch this, because of the grace that she received. I don't know what to say to those people who are lost and hurting. I I don't know just the right words. I've never taken that training where you know all the questions to ask, you know, and and then all those statements, and I haven't memorized all those verses. I want you to notice something, okay? Jesus did not lecture her. He loved her. I think we should worry much less about exactly what you're going to say to that person or how you're going to help them out of their sin or save them or, or get them to see everything they need to see. Listen, that's, that's not your job anyway. We don't need to worry about that. That's not the burden. The burden we have is to care. The burden we have is to love them. The burden we have is to this grace that God has given me and forgiven me of my sin, even though I don't deserve it, can also be for you. That's all we need to do. Grace is sufficient. You don't have to know all the right words to say all the time. Listen, if you do, that's great. And you've got some things that help you to do that. Wonderful. But if you don't, let's move forward. Let's do this, church. Let's do what Jesus said to do and go and spend time with the people who need him the most. And then just all we have to do is continually, really genuinely look into their life and care And give them grace. Tell them about the blood of Jesus if you get the chance. If not, love them. Tell them they're forgiven in Jesus Christ. Tell them there's a way that you found that's better. Tell them your story of how Jesus found you and and you began to turn to him and experience the freedom and forgiveness. Tell them how much they mean to you and how bad you feel for them, that they are suffering Show them you care. Spend some time. Buy them lunch. Watch their kids go over and help mend a fence. Do something with your life to show grace, to live grace, to be grace to the people who need Jesus the most. See, the sooner we understand this, the quicker we can start moving forward in our life. And moving forward is good. Good. Because otherwise, you're moving backward. Here it is. Jesus came down to spend time with this sinning woman. I mean, even to the point of, I don't know of a clearer picture. He literally got down on his knees, and and he was drawing something. Who knows what, right? We don't know. Could have just been doodling. Could have been a, a big heart with God the Father in the middle. I don't know what it was. right? But he's, he's drawing something on his finger. Presumably it had something to do with the encounter. But, but he's drawing on his f- How low can you get? And there's this woman who is the sinner, who broke God's law, who defiled herself, and there he is on his knees. Jesus comes down to meet with regular people. He doesn't expect them to come up To meet with him. Ooh. If Jesus can do that, what about you? Can you come off your high horse? Can we come out of this church building on our high? And by the way, the music portion of our service was wonderful this morning. And there's a sense of, wow, we get to celebrate God's grace. And that's good. But when we walk out on that sort of high Come down on their level. Take what you have experienced, the wonderful grace of Jesus, white as snow that we sing about, and take that down into their life, into their circumstances, where they live, people who need help, people who don't know the way, and just begin helping, just begin showing Grace. That's what Jesus does with people. Now, it shows up differently in in different circumstances, right? And I want to be the first to say this. We have our church process says grace, grow, go. But don't misunderstand this, please, church. Grace is not a program, it's a way of life. Grace is not an event, it's a lifestyle. It's how we should live. Listen, it's how you get to live. Moving forward, this is is not something that's, oh, no, I have to go show grace to these, these sinners, these people. They're not much different than you. You claim to be a follower of Jesus. Jesus said, you want to know the greatest identity of being mine? Come do what I'm doing. Come do the work that God the Father is determined to do, searching for those who are lost, like the woman searching for her coin or the man searching for his lost sheep or the Father receiving back his lost son. That's what we get to do with Jesus. That's what following him means. That's what moving forward as a church looks like. I want to I try to help you Understand what it would look like. like. What if, cross point, what if at our church, that's you. Our church is you, the people. What if our church started moving forward with God? What if we all said, you know what, that's what's next for me. That's the next step in my life. That's clear direction. I need to do that. And, and we got this sort of burden and passion and desire, like, okay, nothing else as important as this in our life right now, family. What we're going to do is we're going to find those people in our life who need Jesus the most, and we're going to spend time with them, and we're going to show them grace. We're going to teach them that, that God gives them what they don't deserve, and we're going to give them what they don't deserve. We're going to love them and serve them, and, and we're going to bring them as, as close as we can back to Jesus. I want to show you what it would look like if we did that. I'm going to issue a challenge to you, Crosspoint Community Church. We're going to do it in five weeks officially, so I want to give you some time to prepare. It's called the Grace Challenge. Crosspoint Grace Challenge. I'm going to see, I think we can do this, I'm going to see if every single person involved in this church will accept the challenge. Every, like, no exceptions. You're here. Accept this challenge. Will you be perfect? No, that's not the point. But you'll accept the challenge. Here's what it is. And you're going to get cards on the Sunday where we launch that'll help you. You're going to have a website you can log into and and celebrate victories. And we're going to have stories come back and we're going to hopefully make videos. If not, we're going to have personal testimony of the stories, because I think people are going to get saved, people are going to turn to Jesus and start following him when we start living out grace. And that's what the grace challenge is. So every week, to accept the challenge, this is what you would do. First, you would share your faith with some person throughout the week. Now, that could look any way, right? That could be you give a gospel presentation, you've taken evangelism explosion, you've taken CWT, you know the Roman road, and you have all the tracks. Great, go for it. Use whatever you can. But even if it's just sitting down with, maybe it's your server at Starbucks and saying, you know what God did for me? I just, You know, it seems like you're having this thing in your life. You know what Jesus did for me? This is it. Boom. Two sentences. Share your faith. Share the gospel. Turning to Jesus. Number two, that's the G. Gospel of grace. The R is reach out. See, there's the gospel. Now we're at R. Reach out. That means... Invite someone to a cross-point service or event. This week, I'm going to invite somebody else. Last week, I invited Joe Schmo. This week, I'm going to invite, maybe it's Joe Schmo again, but somebody different. And so, I might give them a flyer to an upcoming sermon series that we're going to do. I might give them those little cards that we made that say, here's our service time, and by the way, here's who we are. We were at dinner last night, and Julie and I, and I don't know, I'm sometimes a little embarrassed because I'm the pastor, and I feel like it's my job to do this, but Julie has no shame. She stopped everybody at the table. There was four other people. We didn't know them, and she handed each of them an invitation card. And my husband's a pastor. You should come here and preach, you know, and she sells kind things about me and then invites them all to church. Use the little cards. Somehow invite them. Maybe it's your small group. As you launch and become part of a small home group and your neighbor's looking for a relationship, you say, that person seems lonely, just invite them to your small group. Reach out and invite somebody. The A stands for ask. At some point in each week, you ask a person what you can do to help them. Hey, listen. Say, Oh, no, he's giving us this grace challenge. We've got to go out and do stuff. Listen, is there a better Challenge for a follower of Jesus Christ than to go out this week and ask one person what you can do to serve them? Is there a better use of your life, of your job network and customers and relationships and all the places you go? I mean... That's what God wants you to do right now. You know that, right? He gave you life. He gave you a job. He gave you a home. He gave you a neighborhood and relationships. Why? Because he's seeking to save that which is lost. And you're his seeking agent. You're his grace channel. You can just go jump in the middle of their life and say, here's grace from God. Ask them, what can I do to serve you or help you? Let them determine how you can help them. Once each week, connect with someone. That's what the C stands for. It might be an email, a phone call, a text. We want to focus on those who are on the fringe at Crosspoint. Did you know that there are fringe people? Some of you, bless your heart, that might be you here today. I haven't really connected at the church yet. I'm just checking it out. Right? You know, we have people like that here. And I hope you find out what God's doing here, what wonderful people we have. But here's the truth. It's not their responsibility to seek you out to find out what wonderful people you are. It's your responsibility to seek them out and show them the wonderful grace that God has given you. Now church, sobering statement here. You ready? Put your big boys and girls pants on. We have had many people leave our church And when Ben and I go after them and call and knock on their door and visit and say, oh, gee, why didn't you keep coming? Would you come back? We'd love to get. I didn't get to know anybody. I couldn't connect with anyone over and over and over again. Now, that breaks my heart because here's what I know. I know that you, the church, don't want them to feel that way. I know you don't. So what it takes is it takes every single one of us, every single week, making a connection. Maybe it's on Sunday morning with somebody who you've never seen before. Take them out to lunch. Change the context a little bit. Do, do something in everyday life with them or call them in the middle of the week. Say, how's your week going? Sure was good to see you on Sunday. Something to start a relationship. Something to get to know them and they can get to know you. Connect. And the fine one, final one is the E electronic social media. Every single week, the challenge is share some social media promotion of our church. Now, I recognize that there's a lot of folks in our room and I say social media and you glaze over and you go, don't even talk to me about that stuff. We're going to make it really easy for you. It might even just be an email. We're going to make it really easy for you. I'm hoping. Wouldn't this be fun? Come on, church. We're going to have some fun with this. Hello? We're going to have some fun with this, church. It's fun to do together, and it results in people coming to know Jesus Christ and following him. There's nothing better. There's no way to move forward that's better than that. Okay? Here's what we get to do. Some of our 70- and 80-year-old saints are going to have Twitter accounts. Yeah, John Salmon has offered to do social media training for those of us that are social media impaired. There he is, right, John? He's good at it. Like, what's a Twitter? How do I tweet? It's easy. We give you everything you need. I'll be tweeting regularly. We'll be posting Instagram photos and and Facebook promotions that Christy's already been helping us with. All you have to do is hit the button, share, And boom, it goes out to all your friends. The Grace Challenge. Every week for a month, I will share the gospel with one person, reach out to one person to invite them, ask one person what I can do to help them, connect with one person, and share one electronic social media for my church throughout the week. And it might all be the same person. Maybe you're really focusing on that one person. If you take the grace challenge for four weeks come on guys i'm talking about four weeks and you do it you will get the grace challenge t-shirt you won't even have to pay for it yeah your size it'll say something cool on the front i survived the grace challenge Maybe on the back it'll say, see, pastor, I told you I could do it. Or something fun. We won't do that. That's, that's silly. But something that you can wear proudly. And we'll have grace challenge days where those who survived the challenge can come and wear their shirt and get special recognition on Sundays. Maybe we'll give you a free coffee that Sunday. Come on, folks. We're going to have some fun with this. And what's going to happen is people are going to start coming to Jesus. I promise you. You see, all you have to do is show them Grace. And if you want, bring them back so that they can enter the process at our church. Grace, grow, go. Let me show you what that looks like. I need four volunteers. Four volunteers, quickly, that will just come on up to the front. Four volunteers, very quickly. There's going to be more, so come on up, Ernie. Okay, good. All right, if, if, you're, if you want to volunteer, just hang tight or... or in a second, raise your hand because you, you can be used. Okay. Volunteers, grab grab this sign that's standing up that says the grace challenge on it. Moving forward. Okay, if you would grab one each, okay? This is you. Don't you look good? This is Cross Point Community Church from all ages. I'm so glad you came up here. You're gonna lead this whole group, okay? All right, awesome. Ever this is you. You have grace. God has given you grace. He's forgiven you of your sin, and you know how good that is. So you receive the grace challenge. Now, we're leaving church Sunday, and you guys, you each have a section. You two are in the middle section, and you guys are on the outer sections. Now I want you to go out into, the, into your life, to the world for a week, and I want you to take one of these signs, take the one on the top of the l- pile, whatever one's on the top of the pile, take a sign and go share the grace challenge with somebody out there. Go share it. Go. go live life. Go to your job, go to school, find somebody. If they don't want to come, go on to the next person. Fine, okay, now, just stay with them. Yep, go ahead, and hand it to somebody, Steve. Just find them and stay with them, because you're, you're spending time with them. You're spending time with them. Hey, they're hurting. They're confused. Stay with them. Spend some time. Just one, just one, Steve. Hey, Steve, just one. Just one, yeah. See? Steve's so happy about grace, he wants to hand out the whole pile. That's awesome. Good job. Just give give one person. Okay, now, listen. Now, the person who you shared the grace challenge with, you invited them to church. They come back. Now, everybody come back that has a sign. Whoa, come on back. Bring your friends. Bring your friends. Yeah, hey, look. Look what happened. We have a church service on Sunday morning. We're going to celebrate Jesus. We're going to celebrate grace. Grace. There you go, Clarice. All right. Look at that. Now, we, we brought some. Now one person over here, he, he was unsure. See Rob's question mark? Hold it up, Rob. He's not so sure about this church thing. But because Steve spent some time with him, he decided to come check it out. And there's some crazy, bald-headed, fanatical, crazy man preacher running across the stage... And the people of that church are so convinced of this grace, Jesus thing, and their lives look so much better. I want a piece of that that Rob says, okay, I accept the challenge. Because, hey, we're all celebrating it together. It didn't quite make sense when Steve shared, but when we came together and we said, Jesus is good, and he cares, and he will change your life and restore and and heal and do these things. Rob said, okay, I'm in. Where's Jesus? I want to follow him. Okay, now everybody who's up here taking take the next two signs on your pile. You have to, there you go. So make sure everybody has two signs in your hand. Hey, okay, Clarice, you need two signs. Okay, one's yours. That's Jesus gives you grace. Now you need to go share grace challenge with somebody else. So go live life for a week. Run out there into your jobs and careers and you each find one person and share grace with them. Share about grace. help them fix the fence, blew down. They were unloading their truck, next door neighbor, and you came over and said, hey, can I help you with that? It looks heavy. (laughs) My wife will help you with that. You volunteered your spouse, okay? Share some, share grace with somebody. Now listen, if you have a sign just where you are, hold it up. Look around the room. Look what Jesus is doing in our community right there. That's healing. That's Go and sin no more. Now, everybody come back to church on Sunday. Church service, our celebration time. Come on, oh, yeah. Now we're talking. Look at that. Look at that. I want you to notice all ages, and I didn't pre plan this. Both men and women, old and young, single and married, everywhere in between. Hey, now, you guys, all of us, are now the church. So it's Sunday service. Raise your sign. Say, Jesus. Jesus. That was lame. That was lame. That was awful. Listen, Ben's going to get up here and sing, and, and Alyssa's playing that violin. It's so beautiful. It moves me, and I'm, oh, yeah, I remember all that God's done for me. Jesus. Jesus. Yeah. Now, does anybody have a question mark sign? All right. Dave had some questions, but after that j- second Jesus, after the second one, he was convinced it's worthwhile to follow Jesus. Okay, everybody grab a sign. You have one, and then grab an extra one. You might need to help. Make sure everybody has one. Everybody got a sign, so you have two. Yours? Okay, now if you would go live life, thank you for helping. Go live life, go, go to school, go to work, go to coffee. Yep, go take and give it to somebody, Clarice. There you go. Find somebody in life that will respond. If they tell you to move on, you just have to find somebody else. It's the Grace Challenge, church. This is people going out and responding to the Grace Challenge. You, you're getting on Facebook. You're sharing, wow, I, I talked to the person at the grocery store today. So-and-so at work asked me what I do on the weekends. Boom! Grace challenge. Okay, now everybody that has a sign, hold it up. Look around the room. Look what Jesus is doing in our community. That's grace. That is what God can do that we cannot do because we cared. Now, if everybody would come back to church service on Sunday. Come celebrate. I mean, that's awesome stuff. Let's celebrate it. Bring it back. Woo! Look! Look! You guys are such good sports. This is awesome. Come on up. Come on up. Okay. Now then, look what happens when God's people share grace with those who have need in their community. Look what happens. And now we all come together and we say, Jesus. Jesus. How much louder was that? Yeah. How much more convincing? One more time. One, two, three. Jesus! That's pretty convincing. Was there anybody that had any question marks? Question mark. Okay. Got one over here. Chris, you get to exchange. You get to, beca- you know what you just decided? Grace works. Grace is good. God's forgiveness is better than the way I was trying, right? So look what happens. There are 300 people here today. You see, we turned from four people to 32 people in three weeks. Could you imagine what 300 people would turn to in four weeks if we all did the Grace Challenge? And I know some of you are skeptical. You think, yeah, but not everybody's going to come. Hey, you know what? You don't get to say that until you've tried it. If you try it four weeks in a row and nobody comes, come talk to me. I'll put a Band-Aid on your boo-boo. I'll hold your hand, put my arm around you and cry with you, and we'll go out and try it again. Because if the people you didn't invite came, somebody did, and we're going to celebrate that. We're going to say, look, Bill Bevins came this week. Woo! And you're going to go, oh, my person didn't come, but somebody else showed grace to somebody, and it worked. I can go do that again this week. All right, one more time. We're going to, Jesus! Awesome. Thanks. You can leave your grace signs in... You see, give him a big hand. Isn't that awesome? What are we doing here? Thanks. You guys are good sports. What are we doing here? We are getting a mental image of what this can look like. You with me? What would it look like if we really all spent time with people who need Jesus the most? And what if when we spent time with them, we showed them grace? We lived out grace. We didn't come to lecture them, we came to love them. We didn't ask them to come up on our level, we came down to their level. And what if we all got excited about that? And we all decided, I can't do that alone, it's too scary, but I can do that together with 299 other people in the room. I can do that with Jesus. And what if every single week we came back and celebrated what God had done that week? I'm just telling you, I'm just telling you, church, that's what Sunday services are supposed to be. They're not the, this isn't the church. Sunday morning is not the church. Sunday morning is celebration of the church being the church all week long. The problem is if we're not spending time with those people, we're not able to show them grace, we have little to celebrate when we come back. And the church process is bring them. If you bring them on the Sunday morning service and we can celebrate together, every single person that comes to our service, to our gathering, to our home groups, we can engage them in the process. Grace, grow, go. We can help them along the way of our church process to learn to grow in Christ and to go themselves. And before you know it, they're going and sharing grace with the people they know. I know it sounds like a Ponzi scheme or Amway or something like that, but I got news for you. Jesus did it before Amway did it. And there is no greater gift to give people than God's grace. That's what He's called us to do. You feel stuck in life? You feel like, ah, I'm just not getting anywhere. I'm spinning my wheels. Maybe it's because God has called you and designed for you to be in this process. To move forward. To spend time with those people in your life. And and, and you haven't been or you've forgotten or you've been distracted by the other affairs of life. Let's do it. Let's start moving forward together as a congregation, as a family. Can you do that? I'm going to ask you to pray. Bow your heads and pray with me if you will. I'm going to ask for you personally, each person, to speak to God. Just right now, it's this special time where you get to just talk to God. And I'll start us off. You you pray something, I don't know. God, thank you for grace. That you do not give me what I really deserve, condemnation. But instead, you do give me what I don't deserve. Forgiveness and grace. You've changed my life and you've made it better. You've given me good gifts from above. I know you and your joy as I walk in this life. And I'm a little, I'm struggling, God, in this area. I'm a little scared about going out and talking to people. morning I, I want to respond to you God you care for the lost and you've asked me to go find them and I owe you everything God so in spite of this wonderful job and all the blessings that I have and the family that I have I'm going to be a good steward I'm going to be a good follower of you Jesus and I'm going to share grace grace I'm going to spend time with people who are lost and need you. And I'm going to bring them to the service and we're going to celebrate and watch you work. God's speaking to your heart and maybe you want to make a commitment to the Lord right here and right now. You want to come forward? God's speaking to your heart and you want to just come forward and spend a moment at the altar? Do that. Do that now, wherever you are. Yes, God, I just sense that I want to say to you, I will. I need your help. I can't do it alone. I'm speaking to your heart, you come. I just want to come to you and say, here I am. Excuse me. I want to go. And we're going to move forward, God. Help us as a church. Bless us to move forward. We pray not just for this room to be filled, but the halls of heaven filled. praise you this morning. We worship you. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Guys that are going to help with the offering, if you'll come forward at this time, would you just keep worshiping this morning? Could you do that, church? Pretend God himself on the throne. is here in this place because He is. Just imagine with all of your brain power, all that you can muster up, what does it look like for God to be here this morning and, and He's asking for me to worship Him. Doesn't matter about the pastor or the singers or the ushers or whoever else. God is the audience today and I want to give to him. I want to give him my life. I want to give him my obedience. I want to give him my praise. And I'm going to symbolize all that in the form of a financial gift because he calls me to trust him and to give a tithe that's holy unto the Lord as a way to worship him this morning. And so, as you respond on your chat cards, perhaps, something you want to give to God from your heart, we we'll also put our offering in this plate. And, oh, church, I'm begging you, let it be for God. And let it be out of worship and adoration. Accept this gift, Father. We pray you in Jesus' name. Amen.